Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 8 of our series on the evil around us. My name is Dee Bowers with Exposing Truth Ministries in Houston, Texas. Our ministry's mission is exposing the truth by exposing the lies of Satan. This episode is titled, Preparing for Battles with Satan. We all have an adversary that is causing us havoc in our lives, and his name is Satan. In this series, episodes 1 through 7, I have shared some life-changing information that I pray has opened your eyes to the world around us. We discuss the spiritual realm which was created by God, all the false doctrine on Satan, Satan's army, and his strategy. In this episode, we will discuss the fundamentals in a spiritual battle and how to become victorious, winning all of our battles. Ignorance is our greatest weakness in our battles with Satan. I think it is imperative that we know our enemy and know how to defeat him, because as long as we're here on this earth, we will be dealing with him. If we remain ignorant to his strategy and the weapons of warfare, we are just hostages in a video game for him and his kingdom. We are in a war. So we need to prepare for our battles, standing erect with confidence and faith and always victorious. For some of us, our lives are like hills and valleys. We're able to climb up the hill or the mountain just a little bit, and then we get knocked back down into that valley before we can even take one deep breath. Many of us attend church and have never been taught about spiritual warfare. We sit in the congregation for two hours, and then we are let loose like sheep to be slaughtered. Ignorance is not an option if we want to be able to succeed and keep our heads above water. Learning spiritual warfare is a necessity and not an option. So exactly what is it we need to know? With any battle we face, it is always best to first recognize that we're in one. Not knowing that we are in a spiritual battle is the number one reason why Christians are persecuted and tormented. Although the church should teach us about warfare, the responsibility is ultimately ours to learn and to be prepared. One common question is, how do we know we are in a battle? Most satanic battles are problems of everyday life, which can be financial issues, unable to keep a job, health issues, compulsions or addictions, persecutions like harassment, um, uh, mistreatment or intimidations, or it could just be unable to maintain relationship with others. These are the types of battles that most people ignore and assume it's just a part of everyday life. And many of these battles are due to adversity that may be sent by God to get your attention. But then the other battles we deal with are due to our sin, sin of idolatry, rebellion, sexual perversion, and witchcraft. The level of torment from spirits varies from harassment to pure physical and mental torture. The torment can be so heavy that in many ways people want to end their lives or they end up in mental institutions. I want to list just a few of the symptoms that may indicate that you are in a spiritual battle. 
This list is not exhaustive. Okay. Evil or disturbing nightmares and visual sightings. Unexplained illnesses or pain. Voices speaking in your head. Constant accidents where you're fall, where you're falling, or you have uncontrollable actions and anger. Failures in relationships and jobs. Constant negative thoughts, whether they be suicidal, depression, fear, or anxiety. Unusual sensations in your body or on top of your body. Confusion, mental blockage, and pressure in the head. These are just some of the symptoms. But as soldiers, we need to be prepared so it will not get to that point. Let us review what we need to know before we even get in a battle. The first thing we need to know is who are our opponents? Well, Satan and his dominion. These are spirits with great strength and power. The requirement for winning a battle is having a defeated enemy. So what do we need to know about this opponent? We need to know how the enemy will attack. We need to know when he will attack. We need to know what his weapons he will use to attack us with. And we need to know where he will attack. All of these have been previously discussed in our series. But there are some other things we need to consider as soldiers in a battle. If we want to be victorious, we must know what weapons are available and how to use them. And if you are wounded as a soldier, you need to know where you can go and get healed. And if the soldier is captured, he needs to know how to get set free. If he surrenders, he needs to understand the consequences of the surrender. And if he is victorious, he needs to know how to remain so. I have divided spiritual warfare into four categories that I think will help answer these questions or lead you to the right spiritual resources. These categories are both proactive and reactive tools. The first category is our relationship with the Lord. We are told that God expects a relationship with him, but many of us have absolutely no idea what that means. The average person believes we were created by God, but that God serves us. This is evident by the fact that most people pray to God only when they need something from him. It's like rubbing the genie so the genie will come out of the bottle. And once the person has received what they wanted, they stick them back in there for the next time. Most people ignore the scripture that says God created us to worship him. Not the other way around. To worship him, not for him to worship us. Have any of you ever given that much thought? You know, I remember 9-11 when people were crying out, where is God and why would he allow this to happen? My response was, God is probably asking the same thing about you. God has not changed. He is the same God that caused the earth to flood, 
to be destroyed by the flood. He is the same God that destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because of the sin. And he is the same God who sent his son to die for us. We all know that relationships require cultivation and it takes time in communication. As a relationship develops, we begin to trust and depend on that person being there for us when we are in need. The problem for most Christians is the relationship with God is motivated by expectations, not love or companionship. God wants to hear us talk to him, even when we don't hear his voice. We, get, we need to get to know and understand him through his sacred texts and through the Holy Spirit. And of course, prayer is key and will build and strengthen the relationship. If you wait until you are in bondage to pray, you are starting out at a great disadvantage. You'll know when your relationship is building with God because you'll get to the point where you don't want to sin or disappoint him. Does God expect for us to be perfect? No, he doesn't. Does he forgive our sin? Yes, he does. But not on our terms, on his. If you know you are not where you should be in your relation with your relationship with God, no worries. He knows your heart and your intentions, and he will help you get to the place you need to be. But remember, he will not force you to come to him. Category two is knowing your authority. There is an authority that is vested in us as believers. It is not based on any power that we possess. We have a power that only comes out of our relationship with and in Jesus Christ. In Luke 10, Jesus said, behold, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. See, when Jesus says the word behold, he is saying, hey, pay attention, take note. This is important. Yes, it is important that you understand that Christ has given us his authority and his power. There is a scripture in a passage um, in Luke where it is totally taken out of context. It's where Jesus has appointed 72 of his disciples in pairs, and he sent them out ahead of him to places that he had planned to visit. When they returned, they were excited about their success and said to Jesus, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. See, they were casting out demons using the authority that was given to them, the authority that I just read to you. The spirits had fleed with the authority of Jesus when Jesus' name was used. Many critics of deliverance will say that the authority was only given to the disciples. But what they don't understand is that all believers are disciples of Christ. Please take this seriously. Without this authority Jesus gave, the disciples could not have come against 
demons. And we today cannot come against demons without the authority of Jesus. After listening to the excited disciples, Jesus replied, yeah, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. This was a hyperbole by Jesus recognizing their success. I have had people come to me that have not read the entire passage and say, oh, that was where Jesus fell from heaven. It is these types of lies that keep people from being set free. The significance of the passage is that disciples believed and used their authority to cast out demons. Instead, people take one text and create false doctrine, missing the significance of the passage. It is the authority that we need to stand on. And it is his authority that allows us to cast out demons. Category three is breaking down strongholds. We discussed strongholds in our last episode. But let's look at what the Bible says, what 2 Corinthians 10 says about strongholds. Paul says, for though we walk in the world, we do not fight according to this world's rules of warfare. The weapons of the war we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down strongholds erected against the truth. Strongholds are built when lies are built through Satan and we listen to, to these lies. The lies lose their power when we feed our minds with the truth. These strongholds come in in the form of deceptions, accusations, and vain imaginations. All three of these can lead to hurt, guilt, feelings of unworthiness, or feelings that you're more superior than others. If you are told as a child that you will never accomplish anything and will always be a loser, it can affect every area of your life. As a child, you allow the negative images of yourself to hold you back from achieving your full potential. And as an adult, you never try to excel without thinking about what a failure you are. If the enemy whispers negative thoughts in your ear, comparing you to someone else, you can become jealous or have feelings of bitterness based on those lies. He tries to control you through these thoughts, which become strongholds for the enemy to feed on. When the enemy tells you that you are stupid, what you need to do is reply and say, I have the wisdom of God today. I will think the right thoughts, say the right words, and make the right decisions in every situation. When he tries to make you anxious, what you need to do is say, I refuse to receive a spirit of fear today because God has given me a spirit of love and of power and a sound mind. And when he tells you that you cannot defeat that mountain that you're up against, you tell him, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. When you take the negative thought captive and respond back at the enemy with the positive, you actually weaken him and at the same time strengthen your relationship with the Lord. Our words have power to tear down or to build up. Never allow that voice to tell you what you cannot do. You speak out loud with power and conviction that 
you will not be controlled. Strongholds are one of the enemy's strongest assets that he uses against us. We are never, ever told to cast out a stronghold, but we are told to tear them down. And we do that by renewing our mind and casting away all the vain imaginations that he has planted. Our greatest weapon to tearing down strongholds is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We start by meditating on God's words daily so that the truth will sink in our minds and begin to change the way we think. Because we are what we think we are. Category four is wearing your spiritual armor. The Apostle Paul tells us how to resist the evil one by giving us a visual image of what we need to do. We must be prepared and stand firm after we have done everything the Lord has told us to do. Why is this important? It's important because simplified, we are in a war against demons and evil spirits, which we cannot see. We need the Lord. Most people read what Paul says in Ephesians 6 and walk away confused. Or the pastor will recite it without really explaining the significance of wearing the armor. This armor will help prepare for your battles. Hopefully, I can explain what the images represent. Let's look at each weapon to understand what is required in our armor. The first one, the first piece is called the belt of truth. Paul says, stand firm, therefore, having girds your loins with truth. See, the belt surrounds our body. And back then, it held the bread, the oil, the water, and other pieces of the armor. Paul relates the belt to truth because without truth, we cannot stand against the lies and distortions and accusations of Satan. When we are girded with that truth, we are firmly established in the truth of God's word. And we know what power we have knowing who we are in Christ. The second piece of armor is putting on the breastplate of righteousness. See, that belt holds this, this breastplate. Righteousness is being right with God, which is the polar opposite of sin. We are born in sin, but Jesus took the penalty. He took the penalty for our sin when he died for us. And he made us blameless before God's eyes. With this righteousness, our vital organs are protected. Without it, it can be pierced. Our organs can be pierced and we may not survive. Without righteousness, we are not protected from death. The third piece is our shoes. Having shroud our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, soldiers do a lot of walking and cannot travel over rough terrain or undertake long marches without proper shoes. When we are in a battle, we need to be able to stand firm and walk in peace when we walk with confidence and no distractions. God tells us in his word that we will crush Satan under our feet. 
The fourth piece of armor is the shield of faith with which we will be able to extinguish all the flaming darts that Satan throws at us. The shield is a, is vital to the soldier to protect him from those fiery darts. When we use faith as a shield without doubt, we can distinguish the fiery darts of the enemy and take on any challenge that he throws at us. God tells us without faith, we cannot please him. So we must have that faith every day. The fifth piece of armor is the helmet of salvation. The purpose of the helmet is to protect the head from injury. Salvation is a gift from God that the enemy does not want us to have. When the enemy attacks, he attacks our mind, bringing in doubt, distortion, accusation, and lies to pull us away from that free gift. He knows it is the renewing of our mind and our faith that leads us to salvation. We wear that helmet to protect our thought life and block all of the vain imaginations that Satan tries to put in our brain. The sixth is the sword of the spirit. The sword is the word of God, which cuts down all these strongholds of Satan. Unfortunately, many people don't use their sword as a defensive or offensive weapon. They forget that a spiritual battle must be fought with spiritual weapons. And last but not least, prayer. We need prayer and to petition God at all times in the spirit. So after we've, you know, we suit up, we need to be on alert with all perseverance. Most of our weapons are used daily for the preparation of the battle and during the battle. When we are hit by these battles, Many ask, where is God? Well, God is right there with you, but he is waiting on your response. He says he will never leave us or forsake us. That's what Jesus said. And remember, God allows Satan's attacks to purge the sin out of our lives to bring us closer to him. Knowing your enemy and what weapons or tools that are available can make you or break you. If you are in a battle and cannot fight the battle alone, find a deliverance ministry or a minister that's knowledgeable that can encourage you and assist you to your walk to freedom. I say knowledgeable because there are many well-versed people that know the Bible very well that know absolutely nothing about spiritual warfare. I know many people that do not take this serious because they have well-versed Christian friends that do not believe. I hear comments like, do you think you know more than so-and-so? You know, he, he's well-versed about the Bible. And I try to explain God has given different gifts to different people and we all make up this kingdom. 90% of the people seeking help Believe that one prayer from the right person will deliver them. If it does not deliver them quickly, they blame the ministry or they look for a ministry that fits their criteria for deliverance. Yes, God can honor with that one prayer, but that is not the norm. 
A true deliverance involves repentance and closing the doors or legal rights given to Satan for him to attack or harass us. There are no quick fixes. You cannot, you cannot walk around Jesus. He has to be a part of your plan and he is your salvation. A ministry cannot help you without Jesus. A a, a church or a minister cannot help you without Jesus. And it is not through what you want to do, when you want to do it, and how you want to do it. It is through what Jesus has told us to do. We all need to get connected. Don't wait for Satan to attack and steal your joy in your life. For those of you that are struggling now, it's time to take back your life and ask God to restore everything that was taken from you. I pray that this series has blessed you and has opened your eyes to a part of Jesus' ministry that is often ignored, even ignored by the church. Continue to join us as we expose more of the lies of Satan and the truth of the gospel. If you would like to receive teachings, emails, and notifications, go to our website at www.exposingtruth.org. Subscribe and like our podcast. We also ask that you support this ministry. Deliverance Ministries are not supported by traditional grant organizations. And of course, they're not supported by people that don't believe. Actually, there are people that do believe and still do not support because they don't want others to know that they actually believe in demons. Stay awake and informed. And again, keep us alive to your support. This is Pastor D. Bowers with Exposing Truth Ministries.